In those days, Caesar Augustus issued a decree that a census should be taken of the entire Roman world. This was the first census that took place while Quirinius was governor of Syria. And everyone went to his own town to register. So Joseph also went up from the town of Nazareth in Galilee to Judea to Bethlehem, the town of David, because he belonged to the house and line of David. He went there to register with Mary, who was pledged to be married to him and was expecting a child. While they were there, the time came for the baby to be born, and she gave birth to her firstborn, a son. She wrapped him in cloths and placed him in a manger, because there was no room for them in the inn. And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid. I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. Today in the town of David, a Saviour has been born to you. He is Christ the Lord. This will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. Suddenly a great company of the heavenly host appeared with the angel, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace to men on whom his favour rests. When the angels had left them and gone into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let's go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. So they hurried off and found Mary and Joseph and the baby who was lying in the manger. When they had seen him, they spread the word concerning what they had what had been told them about this child. And all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds said to them. But Mary treasured up all these things and pondered them in her heart. The shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all the things they had heard and seen, which were just as they had been told. Well, uh, if you're joining us uh, this morning, uh, welcome. Uh, It's great to have you with us. Uh, It's great to spend a little bit of time on this Christmas Day just uh, framing our minds by uh, remembering what Jesus has done uh, for us uh, by coming into our world. Uh, So let's just before we we, uh, think about the passage that we just read, let me uh, pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you so much uh, for your word. Thank you that you have spoken uh, in the past, uh, in the Old Testament, through uh, your prophets, uh, the people through whom you spoke. But thank you that in these last days you've spoken to us by your Son, Jesus Christ. And uh, Lord, we we pray as we reflect on what you have done in him this morning, that you would uh, open our hearts to uh, entrust ourselves to him. We ask it for Jesus' sake. Amen. Well, I don't know if you, uh, if you followed, but uh, this year was the 100th anniversary of Gallipoli. So all through the year, there's been these milestones that have been remembered. Uh, just this uh, past Sunday at the uh, Australian War Memorial in Canberra, they commemorated the evacuation from Gallipoli uh, of the soldiers. So, you know, when time came to retreat, they, uh, they had to pull back. And this past Sunday was the anniversary of that occasion the 100th anniversary. In three years' time, it will be the 100th anniversary of the armistice, the, when they signed the peace treaty on the 11th uh, of November at 11am. Uh, it will be the 100th anniversary uh, of that moment. When that war ended, many uh, believed that because of the atrocities that happened during that war, they thought that war would never come again, that it would be the war that would end all war. People thought, well, we've learned our lesson. 
the war was so bad, they thought that nothing like that could ever happen again. But 30 years later, the world was plunged into another devastating war. On the 30th of September 1938, one year before war broke out in Europe, Neville Chamberlain, who was the Prime Minister of Great Britain at the time, stepped off a plane at Heston Aerodrome. He was driven to Number 10 Downing Street and he stood outside uh, of Number 10 with a piece of uh, paper in his hand and he waved it in the air and said, My good friends, for the second time in our history, a British Prime Minister has returned from Germany bringing peace with honour. I believe it is peace for our time. Six months later, Hitler invaded the rest of Czechoslovakia and almost six months after that, war officially broke out between Britain and Germany. And in time, almost the whole world was engulfed in this war. Neville Chamberlain's words, peace for our time, stand in history as some of the most naive words that have ever been spoken. How could he get it so wrong? Peace for our time. And they are embroiled in war only six months later. And when I see those signs in the shops at Christmas time that say, peace on earth, I sometimes wonder if people think it's a bit the same. How naive. Naive as Neville Chamberlain. Outside number 10, naive as those people who thought after World War I, well, it's the war to end all war. It's a great idea, isn't it? Peace. But it's ultimately unachievable. After all, the Bible claims, the Bible, uh, claims that 2,000 years ago, a big group of angels appeared to a bunch of shepherds and they sang, sang a song which said, Glory to God in the highest and on earth peace to men on whom his favour rests. And you'd have to say that if you look at the last 2,000 years of, of history, that the world has been anything but a peaceful place. All of us can see that that's the case, I think. Last century was, was marred by those two world wars. It was marred by countless other wars. We lived ourselves in a day where, where terrorism is threatening. Not to mention the uncertainty of things like climate change, natural disasters. Closer to home, all of us can see that families are breaking down. Too many families are ravaged by what seems to be an ever-increasing number of tragic suicides. And for some of us, there might be other personal catastrophes that only we know about. Sometimes it feels as though the world has never been more tumultuous less peaceful and more at war. The reality is that the lack of peace in the world, in our lives and in our families, is not the problem though, but the symptom. All these problems stem from a deep rift in our relationship between God, uh, the relationship between God and the world. The turmoil in our lives stems from a deeper problem And every time the UN meets and every time the world gathers for a climate change conference and every time we roll up our sleeves and just try harder, we all together with them miss the point. It's a bit like a doctor treating the symptoms but not the disease. It's like putting a band-aid on a melanoma where you can't see the problem anymore but it's not going to help. 
The problem, according to the Bible, is this, that God is the creator of the universe, the one who upholds our individual lives and the world, and a rift with the one who upholds our lives will inevitably be catastrophic. We're cut off from the very source of our life. We're cut off from the very source of our joy and hope and peace. The world that we live in bears the scars of God's deep displeasure. In every cyclone, in every flood, in every bout of cancer, in every death, in every ruined relationship, the world bears the scars of a complete breakdown in the relationship between us and God. But what reason does God have to be angry with us? After all, what have we ever done to him? And yet in many ways, that's precisely the problem. Some of you are parents, and sometimes you tell your kids what to do because you know what's best for them, and they don't know what's best for themselves. Imagine if your kids never listened to you. Imagine if they completely ignored you. It might not take much imagination. Imagine if every time you came into the room, they pretended that you weren't there. You spoke to them, and they never spoke back. Imagine if they cursed you in front of every person that they met. I hate my parents. Imagine if after spending years bringing them up, they left home, and they never wanted to have anything to do with you. You called them and they never answered the phone, you left a message, and they never ring back. In a way, each of us is like that with respect to God. We don't want someone to tell us what to do. He's our Father. He's our Heavenly Father. He's brought us into this world. He knows even better than our earthly parents do what's good for us, but we'd much rather do our own thing. We more or less shake our fists at God and say... You stupid old man, what would you know about anything? Leave me to live my life. People these days like to glorify democracy. But we don't live in a democracy. What we live in is seven billion military dictatorships where everyone likes to rule their own life. And if we don't get what we want, we take it by force. Is it any wonder then that our world bears the marks of one big broken family? Is it any wonder that our world is ravaged by wars and abuse and theft and murder? If there's a breakdown between us and our Creator, is it any wonder that we face the things that we do? Cyclones, storms, floods, sickness, disease, war. If God is angry with us for ignoring him, rejecting him, going our own way, then what we see around us in the world makes sense. But unfortunately, for the most part, all those signs in the shopping centres, peace on earth, are promising a peace without God. We want a world where there's peace, but we also want a world without God, and the two things don't go together. Peace is impossible as long as we push God away. Peace is impossible so long as every single one of us wants nothing to do with God, as long as we all want God to stay out of our world. 
But that's not the kind of peace that these angels wanted when they appeared to those shepherds 2,000 years ago. And it's not the kind of peace that God wanted. In fact, the peace that the angels were announcing was peace through God plunging himself into our world, personally, in the, in the person of his own son, Jesus. Amid our reticence and our unwillingness to know God, God has come to us to make himself known. God sent his own son, born as a human being, born as one of us. And that's what, as Christians, we remember at Christmas time. We remember that God sent his son into the world so that there could be peace. God sent Jesus to be the true man, the true human being. He came to be what we were meant to be. And he came to make people like himself. Imagine if everybody was like Jesus. Imagine if everyone loved God and obeyed God. Imagine if everyone lived according to God's pattern for the world. Imagine if everyone was kind and generous. If everyone was forgiving and never unreasonable. Imagine if no one ever hurt anyone else. If everyone loved each other. Jesus, the Son of God, came to make humanity what it was meant to to be. And he did that by becoming one of us, by taking on our human nature and showing what it means to live for God. But more than just showing us what it means to live for God... He also took on himself the penalty for everything that we've done wrong. And he took on everything about us that is wrong, corrupt and evil, and he put that all to death. God put that all to death on the cross when Jesus died in our place. Jesus came to destroy, uh, to destroy by his death on the cross everything that made us his enemies. He put it to death and he conquered it by rising from the dead uh, on the third day. That's the peace that the angels were singing about. Not world peace through giving uh, presents, but peace with God through the death of his own son on the cross. And yet that peace is only ours if we actually entrust ourselves to Christ. Through Jesus, we can have peace with God now because everything that stood between us and God has been demolished by Jesus' death. It's like there was this great wall between us and God and and Jesus torn it down. We can know God if we know and trust Jesus. We can have peace with God now, but also one day Jesus will return to finally bring peace on the earth as well. God will put an end to evil and pain and suffering. And finally and for all time, God will rescue those who have entrusted themselves to Christ. God promises that everyone who does it, everyone who trusts Jesus with their life, will also be raised from the dead, like he was. And God will remake them to be like Jesus, to have a character like Jesus had. If we don't know Jesus, we'll have to face God as his enemies. But if we entrust ourselves to Jesus, then we can know that on that day when we face God, we'll face him as a friend, not as an enemy. Well, maybe you don't know uh, Jesus, but something uh, today that's been said or in some of the songs that we've sung, maybe 
Uh, it's piqued your interest. If you want to know more, there's some booklets on the back table called The Real Christmas that you can pick up. Uh, or you might like to come back next week and learn more about who Jesus is. Uh, or you might already know and love Jesus, but you find, you find some things about Christianity baffling. Well, why not pick up one of those booklets as well? Uh, and I'm sure you'll find that helpful. Or you might have a friend who wants to know more about Christ. Please take one. But if you've already entrusted your life to Jesus, why not take the opportunity today to thank God for what he's done for you, to remember what he's done and to celebrate that, uh, not just now, but all through the day uh, and all through our lives. Let's, uh, let's do that now as we pray. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we uh, live in a world ravaged by war, disease, uh, and by sadness. And the Bible says that that's because of sin, our sin, uh, the sin uh, of each one of us. It's because there's something wrong with us as people, uh, and it's because each one of us resists your claim uh, on us. We reject you as our creator and our king. You are our life and our joy and our peace and yet we turn away from you uh, and we look for life and joy and peace apart from you. But thank you that today we can remember that you have worked in Jesus Christ to redeem us from our sin uh, and to redeem us and rescue us from your justice. And thank you that you sent your own son to become one of us, to live as we live but to be perfect and to take on himself everything that's wrong about us and to put it to death on a cross. Father, for those who've entrusted ourselves to Jesus Christ, we thank you that we have peace with you now already and we thank you for the hope of eternal life. Make that our joy today, Lord, as we celebrate Christmas. Uh, open our hearts, uh, reawaken us to the great treasure that we have in Jesus Christ. And Lord, for those among us who haven't entrusted their lives to you, we ask that you would open their hearts to know the peace which comes through Jesus Christ our Lord. In whose name we pray. Amen.